This episode of The A-Team has been sponsored by MTGIsland.com, Canada's newest source for Magic the Gathering singles. Magic 2012, now available. Like, in the end, like, I don't care because I have Mind Slaver. Like, play your Prime right. Titan. <laughs> play, your, play anything. I don't give a crap. I'm just going to slave you and kill you. Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to you by ManorDeprived.com and 60Cards.com. Check us out. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mines they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Everybody was metagaming against each other because we saw each other's decks. Jay Boosh. I'm not going to ask a homeless guy for a deck idea, okay? I'm going to give that guy some change and, you know, I'll probably half my sandwich. Smitty. Just completely edit out Jay Bush like that of the whole thing. Scotty. But what is it with people that live in French countries that like blue-white control? Are you guys just like, you have that big of a chip on your shoulder? Like, what is it? And now, the AT. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 44 of the A-Team Podcast. This is KYT, along with Jay and Scott. Um, this time around, Jesse's going to be running a little late. It's Jay's turn to bring along a guest. Though I think you also brought Tom Martell, so credit to you on that as, as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you brought another uh, special guest this week. Yeah, so I'd, I'm happy to introduce uh, Jason Ness, who is a former Level 4 judge, uh, now Level 3 judge, who will be running... Uh, and doing lots of things involved with Canadian Nationals and GP Montreal, and is a local, uh, you know, tournament organizer and etc. So, Jason, say hello and hello, Magicland. So, Jason is going to join us. We're going to pick his brain and stuff. He's been <laughs> around forever, so he's got some funny stories and stuff. I'm excited to talk to him. This may or may not be true. <laughs> so we the forever I, part like... is probably true, but I'm I'm not going to admit <laughs> to anything, particularly anything involving age. I think the first question we, we want to hear answering uh, is when uh, Jay on Twitter asked us about, uh, told us that he wanted to bring you on, Jason, and then uh, Jesse and Scott's first reaction was, who is this guy? <laughs> so oh, I, be- I, I, be- I believe it was actually, so I don't mean any disrespect, but who is this guy and why the fuck should we care? <laughs> I don't feel even a, a little bit disrespected by who the fuck is that? Because okay. that's exactly what I said about you guys, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it, it works out really good. Uh, but to answer your question, um, I am the uh, premier tournament organizer for uh, the Calgary-Edmonton uh, area. So I run PTQs, um, pre-releases, formerly, used to run pre-releases, uh, out here for a while. I will be the... Uh, organizer for uh, Grand Prix Montreal, Canadian Nationals this year, as I have been a few times in the past. And uh, I have also been a uh, level four judge and head judged a number of large events, including um, um, probably most notably was the team day of the world championships. The last time that it was in Paris at the Louvre. So that's the fuck I am. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. And thank you for having me. So, so organizer for 
GP Montreal and Nationals, not head judge. Correct. Just okay. strictly, uh, I will be wearing civilian clothing as opposed to judge attire, which don't get me wrong. I, I love wearing the judge attire, but it's kind of nice to actually uh, roam around on the tournament floor in jeans and sneakers for a day. Absolutely. <laughs> Jason uh, actually joined us at our pre-release for the first time, and I think he was saying since Mercadian masks. So that was the last time I played on the sat in the Saturday of a pre-release. Yeah, because normally we have the big ones, and then of course you know that got blown out. So we got to uh, we got to play with him, and I got to actually even have a feature match, which was fun with him in his plaid uh, his plaid shirt and his cowboy hat for Stampede. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was quite it was quite. Fun uh, experience. Now, I, I did get a chance to talk to Jason a little bit about that. And if you don't mind, Jason, we'd like to before hear your thoughts. Before we get into that, Jay, before we yeah. get into that, um, who, who won the match? Well, okay, so what happened was we were both 3-0, and it is a five-round tournament, and I had earlier been talking to Jason about how, like, we should just draw, draw in, and he was talking to his friend Hanson about that and, like, whatever. And then, so, of course, I get paired up against Jason, and I'm like, well, easy peasy. Like, we'll just we'll just draw, draw in, and then you know, get our packs and have a fun match or play EDH or something. And I sit down and of course, Jason's like, Nope, I think I could beat you. I'm like, okay. So we play and I think I crushed you game one. And then he soundly crushed me game two. And then, uh, game three, uh, we had a little bit back and forth. I was mana screwed and Jason did end up winning. So that is a long roundabout way of saying that you lost, but to be fair, (laughs) it was a six round tournament and we couldn't draw. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. The math was wrong, but at the time, I believed that the math was right, and I was like, fuck this guy. He's like, he's going to come on my show, and it's going to be fun and everything, and then we're going to draw in, and then, nope, he just hosed me. So, oh, yeah. It's yeah, so it's fun. So, you know, I mean, it's the first time since he's played uh, a pre-release since Mercadian Masks. I figured I had to give it to him and make sure that he didn't have a sour experience so he'd come back. Generous. You know what it's like with those rookie players. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so Jason, what do you think about the uh what do you think about the the whole new way that pre-releases are getting done? I know Scotty and KYT hated it. Well, you'll have to forgive my bias because being an organizer now for wow, um oh, 9 years, 8 years and having done pre-releases, very big pre-releases in my area and in as many as three cities at once, uh they were you know, they were my favorite event by far, both as a player, as a judge, as a, as an organizer. And now that regional pre-releases, such as they have been known for the past couple of years, are gone. Uh, uh, I I can't be happy about it. I mean, uh, they used to be a, a relatively decent source of revenue for me, but more than that, they were probably just the best events of the year. Just seeing uh, so many different faces from so many different places, people traveling and driving in from a distance. And now that that's kind of gone away and, and now it's just a, it's a strictly store based model. Um, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan to be really honest. So like, we have speculated before and Tom Martell kind of speculated with us that um, the reason that they did that is to support the smaller stores. In my experience, I mean, we didn't have any small stores complaining about it. uh, The good ones anyway. So like, you know, I heard a lot of horror stories from this weekend. What do you think the solution to this is to go back? Like, I mean, I hope they go back. I hope we can send a message, but I'm fairly convinced that, Watsi has no intention of going back to the model of pre-releases as they were uh, prior to the change. Now, will they maybe do something that sort of brings things back to some degree, perhaps? Like, I'll be honest with you when I say that I think what their solution might be is to encourage stores to group up 
possibly independently, you know, just between one another, or possibly with a, I guess, third party organizer, maybe someone such as myself, to try to bring um, the allocations that the stores get for product um, into a, a common space. Um, I think that may wind up being a compromise. And if I'm not mistaken, it was actually tried for M12 in a couple of cities. So that may be a, a compromise that they'll be seeking in the future. Yeah, hopefully. Scotty, did you even go to yours? No. No. <laughs> just Abs- straight no. Absolutely not. No, no just, interest. Just out of protest or what? Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not enough value for me. Um, I mean, it's as an MTG dad. It's uh, a lot of work for me to uh, peel myself away from my family for a day of magic, as we're finding. And um, to cash in that day for a four-hour tournament, which is one flight that I could open absolute shit in and fucking bomb out in in a day, bomb out in and around, um, and basically blow my whole day and my 30 bucks for nothing... Um, doesn't appeal to me at all. Like not not on any level whatsoever. No matter how sadomasochistic I feel, like it's just not okay. So I mean, the big regional ones gave me the wicked outlet to be able to go. You got your whole day to yourself. You go out and you can spend the entire day. And we literally would go and we'd be in the flight, signed up for five to eight. You know, fires off eight o'clock. Let's go. And we would not be leaving there until like nine at night. Like we would hit five, six flights in a day, you know, open dueling, two headed giant. Like it was awesome. Like it was a real day of magic. And it's nothing like these WPN locations will never, ever live up to that experience. That is a pre release. Yeah. Like I think I have to agree. Like even as much as I, uh, you know, missed all the Red Deer and Edmonton guys. Like, it just wasn't the same without... <laughs> like, it just wasn't the same without Doug there. And, like, and, well, I, like I mean, I'm fine. Like, Doug in person is fine. But, like, you know, I mean, it wasn't it just wasn't the same without him there. It wasn't the same without a casual flight for me to crush and a competitive flight for them to play in. Slop uh, around in. Yeah. Yeah, so, like... That was like it just it's just not the same at all. Like and then the the other thing is like the stores don't have as much space. Like there's no way possible that they have as much space as um, you know, a hall or a hotel banquet area or, or uh, you know, anything like that that was rented out. And so like even getting to your table for six rounds was just like a pain in the ass. I mean Mike did all he could with what he had, but it was just like 50 people mulling around a tiny room with little space. I mean, it's hard to do that on Wednesdays when we have 20 people. Like, I don't know what the solution is, but I really hope that the next pre-release is not that. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't care where you go. I, I imagine that the, the nature of pre-releases around North America were a bunch of SWAS factories. Oh, my God, where yeah. 50 dudes are packed in a room that comfortably seats 40. <laughs> and by the end of the day, uh, the ripeness of the space is so <laughs> overwhelming that, you know, people trying to get to the Vietnamese place next door are avoiding it, thinking that something's <laughs> coming from there. Yeah. It's making the food funky when in fact, it's really just a bunch of sweaty dudes uh, upstairs in a magic playing room. Not really. Oh man. And it was, funky. it was like, a, it was like a rainforest in there for humidity. And then after like the fourth <laughs> or fifth round, when people dropped and left, it was like, 
it was like a refreshing spring day. Like, like it actually, the room itself had a climate for yeah. fuck's sakes. Like it was just, I, I think that would be the norm. So any, anything that will, uh, change this, I'm, I'm in favor for, in favor of, I don't, I was not excited by the, by the experience, even though it was, I mean, it was a fine tournament. And, and like I said, like you said, uh, Mike did everything he could and barring an alternative, I suppose I'll go to the next one, but hopefully there'll be something better in the future. Yeah, me too. Um, I heard a lot of people talking about how they got turned away from their pre-release as well, which just seems so counterproductive. Um, I mean, Mike was taking pre-release uh, signups uh, where you had to pay in advance because of the limited space, which is understandable. But just like so many people getting turned away from their pre-releases for a set, like that's a a core set, so you don't have as many people going in, and B, it's a set that like new players should be, you know, everybody should have access to, especially new players, and like. When you're getting turned away because, you know, there's not enough space in this tiny little room, like it just seems so awful. I don't know I'm, how that's, you know, better than what it was before. I don't know why they even made that change. I'm calling it now. If things don't change, Innistrad is going to be a clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be easily twice as many people that want to play uh, in the fall when there's no stampede, when it's not hot, when it's not a core set. It's going to be off the rails. Yeah. So I think it, I mean, as your experience, you know, in your experience in running these events, though, like, isn't the first set of a new block always the best pre-release? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's, and for all those reasons, I'm sure you mentioned, right? Like, I mean, it's, but I mean, it's not just. Yeah, that's right. We get one new block at the same time every year. Yeah. Well, I I guess intuitively it just makes sense with uh, the timing too, like you said. Yeah, lines up well. Yeah, summer ends, people are back at school or, you know, kind of winding down from vacations and whatnot. Everything's, it's the newest of the new. And so, you know, the, the fall set is always, always the biggest attended. And if if nothing's going to change, then it's going to be, it's going to be a head-on collision between a SWAS factory and some pissy Magic players. Well, and like Scotty has a kid that plays Magic, so it was like... I mean, even that, like, just one person, it was go to a big pre-release, play three or four flights, do drafting, and whatever. But it was also with two people. So, like, you know, it's not just the people that come out and and go and play, you know, and pay their 30 bucks and leave. Like, it just seems to me like it's just so poorly designed. Like, and there was nothing that they brought into it. Like, my big thing is there's nothing they brought into it to kind of counteract that. They just said it's going to small stores now. Yeah. They didn't give us more promo, more product, more anything cool. They didn't introduce any new any new prizes or any new way of doing anything or a new format. Like, yeah. You know, they just said, nope, just go play somewhere else where your haunches touch the haunches of the other fat guy you're sitting beside. I think yeah. one of the things that people don't understand, especially when they see a change like this, is they're like, why would, why would they ever do it this way? And what, <laughs> I think, why, what I think that a lot of people don't understand is how how loud and how strong a voice uh, the retailers are in Wizards of the Coast here, which I, I fully expect and understand. I get it. Um, they're the people that are primarily responsible for moving Wizards product. So when they say, we're cranky, we're mad, we want you to change it, they're going to listen. And I know that, that by and large, store owners didn't like regional pre-releases. They didn't get any piece of that pie. It was a day where nobody was in their store. Um, it was a day, a day when they weren't 
accomplishing anything as far as magic was going. And they're watching, you know, people such as myself have very successful days moving a lot of product over the course of a, you know, a 12 hour period. And they're getting none of that. Yeah. And so I can understand why they were pissy and, and why they, you know, had a lot to say to wizards about it and why they wanted it to change. So I get that much, but I don't think, um, wizards is necessarily doing the math on all the ramifications that come from a change like this. And, yeah. and I think going forward in the next couple of weeks, they will. Well, I, I hope you're right. I mean, I, I mean, this, this just gives a huge opportunity. I mean, the WPN change is basically all it's really said is that you have to own a storefront in order to run an event, right? Like, like that, the underlying factor is that like that, that's the qualifier. So, you know, like, I mean, up here, for example, Skyfox games traditionally is the one that runs our major regional pre-releases. And they've got a storefront out in Oshawa, right? So, I mean, I'm not sure why they don't run them still. And, and frankly, I didn't even look to see if they did or not. But um, I probably should have. But, you know, there's nothing stopping local game stores. I mean, if you, you've got this uh, opportunity for to, to run a pre-release and run it big, I mean, if the regional ones have been chased out of town, as it were, there's nothing stopping you from renting a hall and, you know, moving it out there, getting all of your staff there, shutting your store down. You're going to make a ton of money. Like, you're going to sell sell on volume alone. I mean, you know what, it, Jason, you just said, like, you know, for all the money you made when you were there during those events, like, that's a huge opportunity. Sure. And I mean, a, are... lo a local game store should be able to make a shit ton of money there, shouldn't they? There are a couple issues there. One, Wizards of the Coast allocates to stores, meaning they limit the amount of product that the stores are able to get. They don't just say, order as much as you like. So they are limited by that factor. And there also is, I think... Um, you know, or going forward, there may be sort of a nervous tension between stores doing that. If one store rents a hall and says, hey, we have a hall, you can get um, as much space. We got as much space as you can possibly fit your ass in. Come on out. Um, that'll that'll go super well, except now all the other stores will go, well, I, I guess we got to do the same thing. So I think there's a nervous tension because that's a cost that nobody has to bear right now. And I think if one does it, then they're all going to have to do it to keep up. And now all of a sudden it just becomes a less profitable venture for everyone. So I think there might be sort of a, you know, like a bunch of gunslingers staring across the bar at one another going, all right, who's, who's going to pull the trigger first? Who's going into the hall first? What I think what they really want to do is they want to say, let's just all go in together. We'll each bring our allocations to the same place. Let's let buddy who knows what he's doing, run it. We'll take a piece of the pie, but we don't expect to get, you know, everything. We just want to make it so that as many people can play in this um, tournament as possible. We don't have to turn anybody away and can sell product. I've, I'm sort of of the, of the mindset now. Why even have a pre-release? Sure, call it a pre-release, but let the stores sell. That's when people want the product anyway. Mm -hmm. why, why even have it a week before you can actually sell it? Why not just have the release Call it a pre-release if you want, so people don't think it's taking it away, and move product. Like at this point in time, I fail to even see what the point of a pre-release event is at all. So what you're saying then is so, and this is this would be another way for wizards to kind of like show their appreciation for the WPN locations, right? Because as a pre-release location, if you're eligible to be able to move all that product, then you're able to screw some of the large volume dealers like. 
you know, the Walmarts and all those people that are just there basically moving boxes at retail and schlubs are paying it, right? So that gives you the opportunity as a WPN patron to go in, buy your product, get it a week before everyone else, and, you know, I think that's a sweet idea. Sure, but don't expect Watsy to piss off the Walmarts of the world either. Well, no, no, I understand that, but, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I mean, you're, you're catering to the player base, too, by doing it, right? So it's like a win-win. Um, and I mean, Walmart's not going to get too upset. I wouldn't imagine. I mean, truthfully, they get, I mean, they don't get pre-releases anyway. True. So they're not missing anything. So speaking of like pissing off the big Walmart stores and et cetera, what, um, like, how do we feel about MSRP and the fact that, that game stores charge more than Walmart because they can? Oh, no, no way. No, Walmart here is way more expensive than most of the game stores. Really? Most of the dedicated game stores, yeah. It's different here. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I didn't know. There's that. lots of things that are different there, Jay. You, <laughs> you can walk down the aisle of Walmart. You can walk down the aisle of a Levi's jean store, and you can find empty pop cups everywhere. <laughs> it's not right. like that in Toronto. No, it's not. But so, so wait. So Walmart in Toronto, if you go to buy the Commander decks there, for example, it's more money than at a store. Generally, yeah, from my experience. Really? Like to put, yeah, to put it into perspective, like, like I found a game, like I had a game store that sold me the box, sold me the Commander decks at twenty five bucks. So actually under MSRP. Wow. Yeah, and then the other ones that I was that I was dealing with, for the most part, were doing at MSRP. So like that was cool. There was the odd ones that were in the area that were deciding on the initial release to like gouge as much as they could and that's totally understood understandable right i mean supply demand whatever mm-hmm, get your money mm-hmm. while you can i mean it sucks balls but it's your right as a store yeah. um if you don't want to pay it wait fine um but now like that everything's sort of leveled off and it's you know it's not allocated anymore in terms of distribution then yeah i mean you're pretty much msrp everywhere and walmart's like five to ten dollars more depending on where you go hmm KYT, you've been pretty quiet. Why don't you why don't you <laughs> jump in on the cast and do some work, you fucker? I just like listening. That's part of my job. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't ha I'm not so into the money aspect of things. I'm just more of uh It's because you're sponsored by a French store, so money's not an object. <laughs> like I don't know like what the long-term uh, results of all this is, if it's good or bad. I know I'm going to miss the, the pre-releases because um, I, I, I did end up going. You did? Because, yeah, I did end up going. But I'm going to miss the big ones because, like, Canada, we don't have that many big events and pre-release, big pre-releases. The local one was always the one that I was looking forward to yeah. um, during the year. But I did end up going to to the to mine. We had the... I guess maybe it's like you guys said, the first set of a block has the biggest pre-release. And uh, we had, I think usually we were able to get 40 or 50, even at the local store, but we managed to to pull in only 20 this past weekend, I think, like roughly. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty small turnout. (laughs) Did you win? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I won my first match, but then like I had... a family lunch so i told this i told the uh the judge i'm like uh i gotta go if i don't come back in time you'll just forfeit my next round i'll i'll play the rest well so i managed to go two two <laughs> nice good for you 
But nice. uh, so, like, did you open anything good? What was your like? What was your experience like with the only twenty people? Um, it was fun. I mean, of course, that's largely very um straightforward compared to the other formats. So, so I knew what I was doing. So I didn't have the to, to really think hard about my pool. Um. The the most interesting card that I had was the new Factor Fiction uh, Sphinx. Sphinx, Sphinx yeah. of, uh, of Uthun. Uthun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had also I also had Overrun in my deck, but you know people don't know how to play against Factor Fiction, and and that sealed. It was funny because I'd play it, and some guy would see Overrun, and then he'd take all five cards because he knew I would take an Overrun no matter what and kill him. So he'd take the five cards. Put them face down, shuffle them, what? divide them into two piles, and let me pick. And oh I'm my like, god! Okay, <laughs> I'll take the overrun <laughs> with the acidic slime or whatever it yeah. was. No, no. Oh my god! So, but that card is really, really good. The Sphinx or yeah. overrun? Both the Sphinx. <laughs> unless, unless like one. I think the worst reveal was four lands and a fantastic. Asmol like bear guy. That that's, was like the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's well. The, the thing is with people that don't like didn't ever play with factor fiction. They don't realize that like even if you rip through five lands, like Matt Mercier played the Sphinx and he revealed five lands and he wasn't even upset about that because you just bin them or they go on the bottom or whatever and then he didn't have to wait five turns to do that. Right? Like right. that card is amazing. What a bomb! And you're gonna take the pile with three lines anyway, so you just like drew three. Yeah, exactly. You still drew three cards. Who cares? Like, yeah. So I mean, like, I was playing against Jason, and he got a turn one law keeper on every game that we played. That was fun to deal with. <laughs> a fucking guy. Law keeper made you my bitch. Yeah, man. I liked so, it. He I had he, two of them, but yeah. still. What were you playing, Jay? Illusion deck? <laughs> no, it was just that like he he got a law keeper every turn one in in all three games, and then he almost always got the second one as well. And I was playing blue white flyers, so I didn't have like re- like traditional removal. I had two mind controls, and I had three pacifisms. But pacifism doesn't get around lawkeeper, and I certainly don't want to mind control. Like a, I have to wait five turns to mind control a lawkeeper, and by then, like Jason also had like that fucking pharaoh, that vengeful oh, pharaoh. That thing's oh. awesome. Oh man, that thing's just a dirty, dirty I think bitch. That was the first what? card Tom said. What? Why is this a card? <laughs> yeah. What? I didn't have a pharaoh. I thought you had that. Yeah, you did. We played, and I you you <laughs> yeah, crushed you me with it. It's what, like the which five, one is the pharaoh? It's, a, it's like the five three black guy that if I do damage to you, you kill my creatures. If it's in nope. the graveyard, the no, I didn't pharaoh. have that guy. I did you, not have that guy. Uh, I had I was the sure six six demonic tutoring demon. Oh right. Uh, oh. And I had the pre-release card, the Vazgoth dude, the vampire oh, yeah. with right, blood right, right. thirst three. Yeah, right. Those were my those were my bomby bombs. Yeah. So yeah, so like that was fun to deal with. Um, other than having to play Ness, and he was my only loss, and like having to deal with two law keepers, um, and all on turn one, that was really fun. Other than that, like I, I got that satchel, and that thing is amazing. I punched satchel? with the satchel. Yeah, that thing is so good. It's like let me see if I can find it. You, so you it's took it's, it in the satchel. it's three to cast. It's druidic <laughs> satchel. It's three to cast, two to use. If you reveal you reveal the top card of your library, if it's a creature, you put a one one sapling into play. If it's a non land non creature card, you gain you get, two gain life. two life. Yeah. And if it's a land card, you put it into play. Yeah, put it into play untapped. Right. 
Yeah, so it's amazing. And it's and that dumb card, and limited. So yeah, good. That card's like it's easily if I open a pack with it, it's easily my first pick. Even if there's like a mind control in that pack, that's easily my first pick. And it just it it just saved me from so many games. My friend John had me at one life at one point, and I used the satchel to reveal at the end of his turn to reveal uh, mind control gain two, use it on my upkeep to go to five, and then he was dealing me about two damage a turn. I couldn't get through anything that he was doing. I was like just breaking on land all game, and he he the satchel alone just made it so he could never kill me. Wow! And like and like my fate my my best game. So I had the I had the Azure Mage as well, which is pay for mana draw. Oh card. my god! How good is that card? Oh my god! It's so good. So like I had KYT. That's 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 like border. Listen, that's like borderline make the cut in your architect deck. Yeah, like, like it's it's really, really good. good. The only the only card that I would have been more happy to get in blue was Jace's Archivist, yeah. which is Windfall on a guy. Fuck, that's just bonkers. But why so, like, do I, so few people understand how ridiculous that is? Because everybody's bad at magic. Everybody's an unreal. Idiot. They're bringing back like like think about it. Factor Fiction is now conceivably in standard. Windfall is now conceivably in standard. Both of them as potentially abusable and repeatable effects. Like, are we that far gone? Like, have, has Power Creep hit the point that we're okay to all of a sudden print these like ridiculous legacy <laughs> and vintage cards on the back of creatures for reuse? Like, not to mention that like Windfall was banned. It was so good. I know. Let's put it on a guy. You can just use it every turn if you want. Who cares? I, I get it might have been a little more expensive back in, you know, or might be a little more expensive now. Yeah, a little bit. But like, That's... but still, it's pretty amazing. So I was playing this one guy, and I go, I couldn't find any of my answers. Like my mind controls and my shit was all at the bottom of my deck or whatever. But I had a, I had the looter, I had the, the the mage that draws me cards, and then I also had the satchel in play. So I was going at the end of his turn. I was going activate satchel. Uh, like either play a land, which is effectively like the best option at this point, um, or gain two life. And then I would draw two cards from my fucking Azure Mage, and then I would also loot at the end of this guy's turn. And like at the end of the game, when I finally was able to kill him, I think I had four cards left in my library, and two of them were mind control. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so like it was fun. The satchel is like my favorite card in limited right now out of this set. I had a good time. Uh, that Lawkeeper, though, man, holy shit, is that ever a good card for one mana? I don't know why they felt that Blinding Mage needed to be easier and faster to cast. But, uh, but yeah, it was really good. I had a good time. I really missed seeing all the Edmonton people. I really missed the atmosphere of a big pre-release. <laughs> so I really hope that Wizards does something about that, or that at least stores can take it into their own hands and do it. Because, like, I, I mean, it was fun, but... Being like locked into a store with fifty sweaty guys is not my idea of a pre-release. So, I hope nor a good nor a good time in general. Yeah, exactly. I hope we can really, really move on for that. So, (laughs) (laughs) did you face any uh, buddy trying to do a Bloodthirst deck? Um, Because I played against Jake, uh, Scott, Scott, and I know him very well. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have to talk about that later. He tried to go bloodthirst, and he was playing all these terrible cards, like the one that just—I think it's one the black card that just deals one damage to me or something. Yeah, it deals like a damage deals a damage to you, and I gain a life or something. Taste of blood for one black deals one damage to target player, and you gain one life. But like, he was never able to abuse it enough. He'd go like. Taste of blood, taste of blood, play play a bloodthirst dude or something, but 
Like if I could deal with that guy, you know, it was he didn't have much gas at all in his deck. So I'm wondering how relevant it's going to be uh, for draft. But did you face anybody that that try, build the Bloodthirst? Um, I saw some Bloodthirst decks. They like a lot of them. It, it was sealed, right? So a lot of them that were opened worked really well. Um, but there was like there wasn't very many people that were trying it that sucked. There was. Uh, I, I think the deck is like faster than any other deck in the in the sealed or the draft even format. If you can draft that deck, it's the it's the deck to beat. Like it's just so fast. And those guys, those berserkers, that need that only costs two mana and need to be blocked by two guys. Oh yeah, that guy. That guy's fucking nuts. And then you have the ogre <laughs> that is first striking for three mana, and then you have the minotaur that for four mana is a five five. Yeah. Like it was just like there was lots of really good. Seals like I saw a guy open four in in the midnight pre-release. He had four of the berserkers and two of the ogres, and then he had uh, the goblin pinger as well as like hasty dragon and two incinerates. And it was just like, oh fuck! I guess you just wow. I guess you just crushed me. I mean, like I beat that guy, but it was like by the skin of my teeth. Like it was, it was really close. So it's yeah. going to be mainly red black, right? Yeah, a lot of it is. Yeah, hmm. I don't think there's any like green's the only other color with bloodthirst in it, isn't it? And it has like shitty bloodthirst besides that worm. I'm trying to look it up. Do they even like, have that many yeah. blood? Like, no, like I think it has the crocodile and the worm. I think that's it. Yeah, carnage worm. The crocodile is really good because everybody's playing blue white right now in, in sealed. If you're not playing, everyone's playing either blue or white, mostly blue. And uh, and so yeah, the cro- that's like, good. The, the crocodile, a three three unblockable is really good for three mana. It's really aggressively costed. I like that a lot. So I know people were talking about like how crazy. Uh, my friends, the main thing they were talking about how crazy Wizards was for, for printing not only Giant Spider, but the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> for one mana more, you get a, like a 2-5 that kills a creature when it comes into play? It kills a creature with flying. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I've, and like, I saw a lot of the Arachnus webs. I don't know. Like, what about you, Jason? Did you play anybody that had the Arachnus web with the spider? Uh, yeah, but uh, he sucked. he just ran it into guys that were bigger and better oh that's smart (laughs) but it seems it seems solid like it's i I don't know i like them i like pushing them pushing the envelope a little bit i don't mind them uh occasionally putting in something that is just strictly better than something that's been done before because um my main complaint sometimes is that there's just not enough viable options both for limited and for um, constructed past four mana. So give us stuff that's interesting. I don't mind that they're printing guys that are beefier and better. I really like the fact that they put in uncommons that were rare, like bombs that are in uncommon. I like that. Right. Like uh, the 4-4 hasty Hellkite used to be rare. Yeah, yeah, the, the Volcanic Dragon. Volcanic Dragon. Uncommon now, I think. I think that's good. It gives an opportunity to not have to rely so heavily on bomb rares. Um, you can get a little something in your uncommon slot that gives you an opportunity to win the game. You don't just get garbage. I think that's true for sealed, but like I'm, I'm kind of scared for draft in the fact that like you might get three or four of those guys out of, we, out of, out of 24 packs, right? M12 is going to, especially early on, uh, I think there are going to be some sick-ass draft decks yeah. coming out of M12, just for that reason, especially when people don't really quite realize... Uh, you know where stuff is on the on the pick order radar for a little while. It's there's going to be some sick draft decks. Yeah, I think it's going to be crazy. 
Um, so, I mean, that being said, we can kind of get off this topic because Scotty didn't even go to his, so I can tell that he's <laughs> getting bored. But um, why don't we give you some time here, Jason? Why don't you tell us more about uh, Canadian Nats this year? Because I, mean, I think KYT is going to go. Uh, Scott, I don't think you're going to go, but you are going to GP Montreal, maybe. And KYT is going to go to GP Montreal, so we can talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Sure, yeah. Toronto, uh, got some Canadian Nationals in Toronto this year. Um, third weekend in, in August. And uh, yeah, it should be a good event. Like all like all national events, obviously the main event takes center stage, but um, put together a little side event schedule that it will hopefully encourage people who aren't necessarily qualified. As imagine, some people are going to want to try to come and grind in. Um, but, you know, even if uh, you're not interested in playing um, in, in the main event for whatever reason, if you happen to be in the area and just want to play some, some magic, get your magic on, we've got some public events going on um, that should... Uh, provide for lots of fun uh one quick question jason did you play a role in last year's nationals i played no role in that last year's nationals i did u.s nationals last year and actually couldn't make it out for canadian nationals at all so that kind of sucked i i try to go every year but i've I've been on a bit of a dry spell why what happened last year at nationals you 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 sounded like you had a bee in your bonnet when you asked that question (laughs) no no it was just like a a curious question because because i was that was my first nationals um my first year really trying to focus on competitive magic and and i qualified and had a great time there and just wondered if i missed meeting you at that nationals that's all you did not i was not there um, but I will uh, just put a little prop out to my uh, website if anyone wants to find out more uh, about the event, um, westcanevents.com. Um, and then there's a click on there. There's a link on the main page that'll take you to Canadian Nationals as well as Grand Prix Montreal. Yeah, right. I'll go ahead. Make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, I know, Jason, uh, from the tournaments that I've been with, uh, like just big pre-releases and stuff, it's always fun anyway. You got any any cool, fun stuff lined up for these tournaments at all? I've never been to like something like this besides... You know Portland GPs, so uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, I'm going to be leaking information bit by bit as <laughs> as the summer goes on. Um, my uh, GP Montreal uh, page has been up for a while. We just added a Facebook page, um, so if you're if you're not linked in and you want more details, just uh, search events uh, Grand Prix Montreal and and uh, on Facebook, and you'll be able to to uh, plow in there. But um, as far as the main event goes, main events are main events. Everyone sort of knows what to expect from that. But as side events go, uh, we've got all kinds of, of uh, fun stuff scheduled, including some commander tournaments, um, your usual slate of booster drafts and, and winner boxes. Um, I'm going to be doing wizards has a problem with people calling Friday night magic or naming things Friday Night Magic that aren't actually Friday Night Magic. So I'm not allowed to call my Friday Night Magic Friday Night Magic. So I'm calling it <laughs> the day before Saturday Night Magic. And at the day before Saturday Night Magic, um, we're going to be giving out some the day before Saturday Night <laughs> foils. Nice. <laughs> and um, we're also doing something that's kind of cool. I've, I've done it at my local events, but uh, I call it Bounties. Basically, what happens is a whole bunch of people at the beginning of the event get bounty badges, and the idea is to hold on to your bounty badge for as long as you can. Uh, every time you win in a match that has a bounty badge, you get prizes, and uh, if you happen to play somebody who also has a bounty badge, you get their badge too, and you just keep winning more and more prizes. So this is kind of a lo- little twist on the day before Saturday Night Magic, and then we're also going to be doing some just other random things. Um, we're going to be doing things like win online sets 
for prizes, um, four set two-headed giants sealed where we pay, play out of the Scars block as well as Magic 2012. Um, there's, of course, a PTQ, as there always is on the Sunday of, of um, GP. The Nationals this year does not get a PTQ, which sucks. Uh, they just It just came outside the uh, scheduling window. But if you're coming to Nationals, you can get uh, three-round buys with our uh, generic Grand Prix trials and uh, all kinds of other fun things. We've got a double draft going on at uh, Montreal. So uh, an event where anyone can enter and you basically get to draft twice. It's just a, a full tournament with um, with two drafts going on. One will be Magic 2012 and the other will be Scars Block. So that's just a little taste. Mm. Check the website. Lots of fun stuff. I'm very excited because uh, not only because it's in Montreal, but like I, I love the venue. I've been to other events, uh, though only a small amount. TCG experience where you had to walk like two, three blocks to get to the washroom. <laughs> yeah, holy, that was fun. <laughs> so where's the washroom? You walk, you walk straight, turn right, keep going down. Yeah. You have three minutes till your next round starts, and the washroom's in another building of another wing of this compound. <laughs> but uh, from Montreal, uh, if it is where I think it is, it's at the Palais, right? That's right. Jason? Yeah, yeah. And like, it's a great place, and it's right next to Chinatown. So <laughs> you got uh, restaurants nearby as well. And I mean, I loved Nationals was held at that place last year and had a great time. Didn't didn't feel like I was in some weird room like I was last year at GP Toronto, actually. Um, this so. year's Toronto venue will be a lot. Well, I won't say better. I mean, there's only so many places that you can go in Toronto and not have to pay through the nose. But since Nationals is in Toronto this year, um, we get to we can afford a little bit of a smaller space and a little nicer space. So it's not actually going to be at Warehouse Central, uh, <laughs> but rather. Um, we've got it at um, the Hilton Airport Hotel in their grand ballroom. So it'll be a carpeted floor wow. and washrooms close by and there won't be as many issues with SWAS. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it should be a, it should be a better venue. It will be a little tight. Um, I, I predict that uh, with all the vendors and all the players and side events and whatnot going on, um, that we'll be filling the room, but filling it comfortably. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't mind. It just like, felt weird the gp Toronto, but it was like huge it was a huge room with lots of space that's that's all i can uh really describe <laughs> about my experience from last year a big gigantic concrete floor <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so jason i gotta ask since we don't get uh i say this a lot about canadian events uh that much coverage uh in terms of some of our bigger events if a team of people would want to do some sort of coverage for Canadian nationals. How would they go about doing that? Just asking your permission or. Yep. That's, that's basically how it would go. <laughs> you, you do have to get permission from Watsi as well. I'm not, I can't unilaterally give you permission. And I actually do have some requests um, already for, for some coverage from third parties. So yeah, the best thing to do is send me an email, which I suspect you would have, or you could find on my website and uh, I can send, get all that approval put in place. You bet. Sounds great. Like, I'd be really interested if I wasn't uh, actually playing at the event, I'd be pushing hard to do something for it. <laughs> Maybe if you go O2 drop like always you can bump in as a guest <laughs> a guest announcer. <laughs> you need more barns. Just get one of your barns to do it. Yeah, there you go. 
like, like last year we did we just had written coverage which was which was fine i mean it's we've had written coverage forever which which i've enjoyed um but uh it's now like every every place has uh video coverage and i just love well, to have some of our players uh you know get get their I'm ready, to bring out, I'm ready to bring out the Canadian GGS. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what we want, man. Like, we've talked about it before on this show. I guess, how do you feel about that, Jason? And, like, the video coverage is good, but, like, it's almost, it's it's boring. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's got to be something done to kind of spice it up a little bit more. And, and like, maybe that's camera angles. Maybe that's more insight. Wow. But, like, it's it's not like watching hockey. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the, first thing, the first thing you need to do is you need to have me on. That, that, that helps because... Um, I'm 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 a fly motherfucker. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, I I don't really know. Like I've watched a lot of it. I I every time there's an event that I have anything to do with, I always watch the coverage afterwards to see if I'm in it. Right. That's, not, that's what a narcissist is. <laughs> but uh, it's there's only so much you can do with people sitting at a table playing cards and thinking. You know, it's not it's not like there's body checks in Magic. Although. I have put proposals forward for some full contact variants for the game <laughs> that I think would be fantastic. I like your chances, Jay, if we run that. I like your chances anyway. Yeah, I think it. so. <laughs> I, think you could, I think you could mow some shit down. Yeah. Um, but there's only so much you can do with, with the format, and I, th- I think people know that going in. I, I don't think you, people tune in to watch Magic expecting to be on the edge of their seat. I, I think they tune in expecting to... Uh, watch some people make some strategic plays, and and if it's going to take a little while, that's fine. Obviously, it helps to have some personalities on there that can kind of keep things moving while you're waiting for somebody to go into the tank for the millionth time in their finals match. Yeah, really. Which, which it annoys the hell out of me as much when I'm standing on the floor watching the game as a judge as it does from my computer watching it in coverage. But I mean, that's the game, right? Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like, you know, they, they figured out a way to make poker interesting. I, they got to be able to do it with wizards and spells. Editing, editing. Just don't <laughs> do it live. Just show the thing after the fact. That's that's about the only way you can do it. I mean, believe me, if they had a camera on the uh, top table of the World Series, there'd be people who would watch it, but it would be mind-numbingly yeah, boring. Oh, yeah. my God. Right on. Well, I mean, I know you have to bounce there, uh, Jason, soon. Uh, do you have any last, uh, you know, topics you wanted to go over or any scumbag stories that we're waiting to hear? <laughs> scumbag stories. Um, yeah, I, I, I got asked what's my what's my biggest what's my favorite scumbag story. So I guess I could share that with you. Um, I was head judging. Now, I, I you got to forgive me. I, I know that I was in the Midwest, but I honestly can't remember if it was GP in Indianapolis or GP um, Chicago. I think it was Chicago. And it's sort of a famous story about these guys that were kind of professional backpack stealers. And they were ripping wow. people off at the tournament. And uh, that particular year, it was two years ago, um, there were uh, a number of GPs that had been hit um, Grand Prix Denver that year had been hit Grand Prix LA earlier on. There was just people losing their backpacks from right underneath their chairs while they were playing. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. So I'm head judging this tournament and some guy comes up to me in about the third round and says, Hey, uh, we know about these guys from the Phoenix area that are kind of shady. They always have amazing cards, but nobody ever deals with them. And they come to all these GPs, but they never play. And they were at the GPs that had some bad theft going on. And they're here again. So I'm like, all right, we'll point this guy out to me. So 
he takes me over and he points this guy out to me. And as he's pointing out him out to me, I can see the guy is towing out a backpack from underneath a chair. He's standing behind a player pretending that he's just interested in the match, but he's using his foot to try to pull out a backpack. Oh, man. Right then and there. The guy just took me right over to him and I could see him starting to steal a backpack right then and there. Well, for whatever reason, maybe sauce, I don't know, but the feeling wasn't quite right and he left it and he walked away. So I alerted like seven or eight judges on the floor and said, we're going to camp this guy. We're going to watch him. We're going to get him. So sure enough, next round, uh, (laughs) I've got about nine judges watching this guy out of the corner of their eyes. (laughs) Holy fuck. And I go up to one guy, uh, a judge uh, by the name of Adam Shaw, and I say, Adam, I'm telling you, man, if this guy tries to pull any shit, I'm going in there and I'm fucking tackling him. I'm taking him out. <laughs> Adam, goes, Adam goes, me too. So we're all me jacked. Too. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm jacked. I got adrenaline just surging through my veins. I'm going to tackle him. He, he looked like he was about five foot nine and a buck ten. So I felt really confident. Got <laughs> a scrabbly fungus growing on his top lip. Like I thought I had this, right? So sure enough, uh, we're, we're camping him and start, he gets a, he gets a spot and he starts Starts going for a backpack. He's taking his time. We're going to wait until he goes to pick the thing up before we get him, right? We want to we want to get him dead to rights. And just then, some other judge comes over to me and goes, I got an appeal. Oh, my God. And I literally say to the guy, this is something you just never do. I literally say to him, not now. And he's like, what? What, what do you mean? I, I have an appeal. You got to am like, oh, for Christ's sake. It was the fastest appeal I ever had in my life. I, I run over there. What's the problem? Uh, this guy said, yeah, he's right. The judge is right. Now, do you mind? And as I'm walking back, wow. I hear this big commotion. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I missed it. Oh, I go storming over there and Adam Shaw and two other judges, one of them is huge. He's like 6'5 and a solid 250. They're all sitting on the guy. And he's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. This looked like there was a yard sale with his shit. Like he's got, there's a cell phone that's shot 10 feet away. And one shoe is another five feet away in the other direction. And they're just sitting on the guy. So I just kind of storm over there all pissed off that I didn't get to tackle him. And I just come over and I say, dude, we've been watching you. And you're caught. And you're going to stand up now. You're going to walk to the back with me silently and without any help from these gentlemen. Because if you try to run away, I'm going to yell out that we that we found the guy who's been stealing backpacks. And I'm going to point to you. And good luck getting the fuck out of here. So sure enough, we take him to the back and the police come and they charge him. They take him away. And to make a long story slightly less long, uh, they wound up getting lifetime. Him and his buddies, there were three of them. They wind up getting lifetime uh, bannings from the DCI, and I believe they were convicted on felony accounts of of theft, whatever that means in the U.S. I don't I don't know yeah. the, the details, but they got charged and and convicted. So that's my number one douchebag story of all time. Tight, man, that's crazy. I think I heard about that, and I'm actually glad that you guys caught them. That just seems so bonkers wow. to me. I've never thought of, you know, I always think that when my bag's between my feet under my chair, that it's safe. The worst part about it was is that this is how stupid they were. Um, they didn't think they were actually going to be able to get him on anything because while he did pick up the bag, he immediately dropped it. And I don't know if he'd had – there was no real evidence that they had that he'd stolen anything. But what the guy did when he was uh, at the at the jail being held for the day is he phoned over to the hotel. And he's like, hi, my name's so-and-so. Um, something happened to me. I need you to go into my room and send me all my shit. So the hotel's like, fine. They go into his room. Well, he had all the stolen backpacks in there. Oh my so the God. hotel just comes down and says, uh, 
we think we found the because we told the hotel staff that, yeah. that this was happening. So they just come down, came down and told it to us. And since they gave the hotel staff, the guy gave the hotel staff permission to go in his room. That means the police are allowed <laughs> to go into his room. So they recovered all. It's just all everybody that had had stuff stolen that weekend. We were actually able to return it to everyone because the guy was an idiot and let the hotel go into his room and recover it all. Wow. Thinking that. He, he would be able to get the hotel to send him his shit. Newsflash. Thieves are not intelligent. <laughs> That's just so bonkers, man. I wonder yeah. how many people else he ripped off. Like, that just seems so shitty. And, like, any time that's ever happened to me, I think I've had my entire collection stolen twice. It's just, like, I don't even want to get back into magic once that happens. It's just backbreaking. Yeah, somebody had that guy managed at GP Denver managed to steal the backpack from and for the life of me, I feel like an idiot because I can't remember who it was now. But uh, he managed to steal the backpack from one of the guys that was in top eight as he was playing his semifinal match from directly out from underneath his seat. Wow. And he had like tons of type one shit in there. Like it was it was a big deal. That's fucked. It's very fucked. Fuck those guys. Wow. That's like <laughs> the craziest story on, on the A-team, I think. Ever Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, that's right up there. <laughs> like, <laughs> hearing Jason so excited about tackling a guy. And like, <laughs> I was going to kill him, and then I had an appeal. <laughs> yeah. I'm so ready to take that fucker down. I want to do so much. Oh, I had an appeal. Oh. I can just picture it, too, like bullet time. Like, Jason's running and jumps and goes perfectly horizontal to, like, just Goldberg spear this guy the camera rotates and then just you realize it's just a dream and that there's an appeal that needs to be done <laughs> I wanted it so bad I had I was I had that football tackle plan and everything ah <laughs> god damn it next time son of a bitch eh yeah right anyway on. boys it's been a blast I do have to bail sounds great I uh, just as I as I go please check out my site for anybody that wants to come to the Grand Prix or the Canadian Nationals uh, westcanevents.com that's me absolutely thanks again hey jason i really appreciate it and i'll let you know when it goes up we can take a listen appreciate it all right thanks boys we'll see you later good night bye jason where's jesse also he's like i'll be a little bit late a little bit he just moved it turned out (laughs) funny i wonder how big western canadian magic is now because obviously the nationals for the past i don't know three to five years maybe have been all in in like the eastern side and I, I heard the last time they had it in calgary like i forget they had it somewhere near west it was like the lowest uh in terms of attendance compared to the other years so that's why they're, they're keeping it on the east and i wouldn't be surprised like next year they're still gonna rotate here but uh hope things are going well in the west and maybe we'll have one in vancouver or whatnot yeah i'd love to get more events happening in calgary like calgary isn't it's it's just weird. Like I don't know if people think that Calgary's like a small hick town or something like that, but it's actually a very large hick town <laughs> <laughs> with many venues and people and a really healthy magic scene. And I would really like it if um you know, like we could have an event here like a GP or even a like a like a really big PTQ or or you know, Canadian Nationals next year or something like Canada's always just like for everything, it seems to my memory has almost always been Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. Right. And uh, I mean, fuck Saskatchewan and, and Manitoba, but like there's like Calgary at least, you know, has stuff to do. Like there was a reason that all the Red Deer and Edmonton guys drove down for the regional pre-releases we used to have. Yeah. 
So yeah, so I mean, I hope that that happens. I really like. I mean, I think the the format's really healthy out here. So, you know, hmm. we get my bros out to Calgary, <laughs> and then we could do a fucking some of that shit. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, I heard that you hung out with Chris Lansdell and Shaun of the Shred. There. Oh, yeah, man. why don't you tell us all about your mana deprived outings there, bro? Yeah, man, it was your a sea blast. of dudes. It was a mean. Uh, Chris said he was gonna be. Um, that he arrived on Friday, or was it Friday or Saturday? I believe Saturday. And Sean was going to be free, but he had to, you know, he's some master music producer, guitar player. I don't know. He's like some super busy musician, right, Jay? And uh, who's Sean? Yeah. Uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he's some music director of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was he was busy, but uh, it, he was going to be busy for his entire time here in Montreal, but it was good to be able to get him to dinner. And, and Chris was also going to be busy. He was coming here uh, strictly for work, but he'll be back for GP. And hopefully his plan is to be uh, a level one judge in time for the GP and to judge at GP Montreal, not to play in it. So um, I'll be really excited uh, for him once that happens. But uh, so we went out and I have to say that this Lansdale guy is legit <laughs> i mean um after dinner we went to a bar and he was smooth talking the ladies uh while <laughs> while we were w- just watching him doing his thing i mean that guy and uh but he had a lot of <laughs> a lot of failures you could say no, like, a lot of liquid courage <laughs> during our during our conversations he'd say a lot of dirty things i don't want to ruin his <laughs> reputation on his podcast and to which like sean ha- after every month every minute or two would have to call him a dirty motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> sean would just like in a very like you know low tone dirty motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> but lansdale was was legit we ended up uh just just talking about magic m12 how excited we were um for the gp uh we did end up having time to play some commander so i actually got to play commander with chris and but we all lost to this crazy shroom deck that uh you know people said was a a douchebag edh deck (laughs) i mean chris just got mind slaved multiple times and just died nice Uh, that sounds fun I was playing, I believed his souped-up version of one of the uh, commander decks that was made available. The general was my, what's that guy? The mime? The Mimeoplasm, yeah. Mimeoplasm. Yeah, but uh, (laughs) I can't even say it. (laughs) But obviously underpowered compared to like the crazy stuff the, the other people were playing. Yeah. I think I tweeted this a week ago. I was playing uh, EDH, and obviously one of my first ex- early experiences was with your Silvol stack. Yeah. Uh, my friend's Omnaf deck, and I'm like, I just want to play Mono Green EDH. That's all I want to play. That not it the most fun? <laughs> it is the most fun. I mean, he had Omnath as the general and many ways to get Rafelos into play. I think yeah. some people say it's, it's only banned as a general, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Okay, so like you have Time of Need or... Or just me always being a luck sack and getting it in hand. And just, you don't really have to think too much. You just get all this mana and just beat people to death. It's 
it's pretty enjoyable. Like casting Stuttering Titan or uh I mean Mono Green is the shit and uh <laughs> definitely the first deck that, that I wanna be building. <laughs> but I don't know I don't wanna be like copying Silvus and Omnath, but those two are probably uh two of the more obvious choices, right? Like who else like Azusa, I heard Azusa is insane as well. Yeah, yeah the, she's ridiculous. Azusa can be really good. The problem that I have with Azusa is fifty of your cards need to be land. And uh, and there's I've seen a lot of games like Azusa is really powerful, but then there's a lot of games too where um, you just like just like standard like Valakut or, or any type of ramp where you just kind of you end up ramping into nothing, right? Um, because she's a ramp general, right? Like so you're you're playing, but she can be just dastardly. Like I've seen some pretty dirty shit with her. So <laughs> Mono Green definitely is is fun and uh, it brings the beats. That's for sure. So. I mean, I forget what, like, just the fact that you can make so much, like, Omnath was crazy. Like, yeah. Especially if you're playing multiple players, just yeah. like, and, oh, no, the combo that I had was Omnath with Seedborn Muse, and it was like, what the heck? Yeah, like, good <laughs> game, good game, answer this or die. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. I think I've mentioned this on, on previous shows as well, and I've talked to you guys outside of the show about this like how do you guys really feel about more than four players i don't think i can stand playing five player pretty difficult so five five player edh is fine if you're playing in the star format it's actually pretty fucking awesome um and i i don't know if you're familiar with the star format but functionally what it is is it's um basically you you you're allied with the people beside you and your enemies with the people across from you in a mm. triangle, like okay. wedges, like on the back of a magic card. So you play it like a star like that. There's an alternate way where you can play it too, where like, I can't remember what it's called, but when, when one person dies, the game is over and the two people that needed to kill that person win the game. So in like, cause normally in star, what it is, is let's say it's like, let's say there's five of us and I'm sitting across from Scott and KYT. I have to kill both of you guys, like, or not kill you, but both of you guys have to lose. Uh, for me to win. Okay. In reverse star, uh, what happens is if, if Scott if Scott loses, I win, and so does the person sitting to my left. Okay. Who's not allied with Scott, right? So it's so, it's the idea behind it is that it encourages a lot more you know table politics, but you also get some faster. more time to. It's a little. It's a lot faster because you don't have to worry about. You can pretty much like attack you know with reckless abandon because you're not worrying about fucking you know if you're ahead on the table four people obviously attacking you back because yeah. your allies per se or your non opponents can't attack you with their okay. creatures. So like the, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And the best way to, to do it is to make, to make sure that it's fair. Um, is you, when you pass the turn, you pass the turn like across and to your left or something like that. So that you're never allowing basically both of your opponents to attack you at once. Right. Cause like if yeah. you go around the circle, both of your opponents follow each other in sequence. If you just pass it around in regular turn sequence. Yeah. Oh, so you kind of yeah. go I've, across. I've never done that, but that's an interesting concept. You go sure. across the table so that that way you're never, you're never in a position where if you're down, both of your opponents basically fucking curb stop. You. So it's, it's a lot more fun. It, it's a healthier game in general. 
Uh, and it's awesome. Like I'll almost prefer to play Star EDH over a six-player or even a four-player game more often than not, because you really get to watch other decks really like go off and interact and do their do their thing, without it necessarily, you know, getting in your way. But you still, if you're still, if you're a griefer, you still get to play spoiler, right? Because, like, if you're <laughs> if one of your allies is killing their guys too quickly, and you know you're you need to stop them from winning so you can win. Otherwise you lose. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And hmm. that, you, in reverse star, you see that a lot too with, with the politics because um, like, I don't want, like I only, I want KYT or Scott to die, but I don't want um, like any, like I don't want Scott to die. If, if he's going to be the last person out of the two that you need to kill. Right. Like I want Scott dead, but I don't want him dead right now because you're still living. I want him dead later when I've killed you already. So like now, now instead of only hosing Scott, I'm now, now I'm trying to save him, but I'm also trying to, you know, make sure that he can't win the game because he's technically my enemy. But if he dies, you know, right now or in the next couple of turns, then Bob wins instead because Bob already took out his other opponent. Yeah. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. It's really fun. But I mean, I would agree with KYT that like, EDH games with more than four players for me I'm just I just get bored there's just too much stuff going on and they just go too long and like like how about this anybody who's playing EDH the first couple of turns should be land go like there's not a whole lot you're doing on your first couple of turns in EDH besides land solar and go land top go land go um and the other thing is like if you're going to use a top uh, and it's turn two, so you go on turn one, you go top. On turn two, you go land, go, and then you wait for four other people to fully do their turn, and then you top. And you're not playing blue, and you don't have a counter spell in your hand. You're uh, being a piece of shit. The house rule that we run with is that you know, obviously, you just say okay, and I'm gonna top at the end of my turn, or I'm gonna top at the end of my last person before me's turn, right? Yeah. But yeah. you go ahead and you process the top while the rest of the players are playing. You, of course, reserve the right to like alter your top right before your turn if some shit happens on the board that you're able to, you know, that would influence your change. Yeah, I think that's fine. I've heard other people play where they like you can undo your top. And cast your counterspell or your doomblade as well. I think that's just bullshit. But I think altering the top, altering the top would be fine. Yeah, just because to I mean, save, you're committing save to it, right? time, right? And you know what? And bottom line is, sometimes if you have that counterspell and you are playing that deck in EDH, then you know what? I mean, you just be quicker with your top. Like, yeah. you, if you got to do it at end of turn because you might need the counterspell, that's cool. Yeah. Just be ready to well, be ready to be snappy. Know, the thing is, like, you built your deck, and if you're going to be the guy that builds the deck with all the counterspells and all the tutors and all the all the infinite combos, and you're going to be that douche, could you please <laughs> not waste my fucking time? Like, you're already wasting my time by playing this deck. Could you not waste my time by wasting, like, all these extraneous minutes, like, tutoring and or choosing <laughs> if you're going to counter every single fucking spell? Like... Like, you know your deck, so you just you should just know what you're going to go tutor for. And, like, last night we were playing until, like, 4 in the morning, and it was really wow. great. It was really great. Somebody went, uh, I'm going to go land, I'm going to tutor for this card, and then I'm going to say go. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to start my turn then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's how we, I mean, when you were over from, uh, from GM yeah. Toronto, like, this is, that's exactly how we do it. You, you, if you are sitting with experienced commander players, or experienced EDH players, rather, yeah. 
absolutely. People are just sensitive of time and are looking to move the game along. Yeah. Five players, if you are playing with a group that is sensitive like that, generally is fine. Yeah, like, generally, yeah. Things just move. Six gets tough, but if everyone's invested in it and somebody's playing a red deck, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but any more than that is just insane. Yeah, and the other thing is there's just too much stuff going on that's far away from me. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, what's the, the guy's like 10 creatures, I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah, like, just like, what do you have? Like, I don't know, like, what do these cards do? What the fuck, who cares? Like, just go, my god, like, whatever. You know, that's and what... then like, like, and like, the other thing too is like, the more players you get, the easier it is to slide under the radar. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that happens so often and politics is such a big like politics and mind control and like Jedi mind tricks is such a big part of uh, especially of EDH uh, multiplayer because like you can get excuse me you can you can totally get someone for no reason yeah. other than the fact that people have no idea what those cards do right and and with six people or five people, it's just so easy for some guy to sit on sit on his you know seven card hand with his Ristic study that he snuck in on turn three <laughs> and his Mind Stone and his two consecrated sphinxes and this may or may not be me and you know I mean like it's just too it's just too easy to do that stuff right that was, that was me last night well we played we played some EDH last night and uh, we had actually seven people at the table. It was insane because well because Alex that. is off school right so he played a game with us and we had uh, we had a ton of people at the table. Shout outs to uh, Dezo, uh, 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 shit, uh, <laughs> Dezo, Wee Man, uh, Alex of course. And um, Andy and Mo and Jacob. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so we were all sitting at the table and we had a seven-player game going, and I decided to whip out my 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 Zedru Dink. deck. My Zedru deck. Right. So uh, shout-outs to Luke Sonier for his uh, his feedback uh, and his his him volunteering his list. We uh, we went ahead and traded uh, our EDH lists on Google Plus. Yeah. So <laughs> I got uh, so I gave him my birthing pod list, my Bant pod list, and uh, he gave me his. Uh, his Zedrulus. So I, I took it as a baseline and got some neat ideas like how fucking awesome is it to play Nin the Pain Artist and Swans in the same deck? Yeah, Give pretty any much. Any idea how retarded that is? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and Stuffy Doll? Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, so, so shout out. So I was able to literally run that deck under the radar. Did absolutely almost nothing the entire game. I think I wrathed the board once. And uh, otherwise, just put up stuff like Collective Restraint, Maze of Ith, made a bunch of blockers, you know, like didn't do much. And so I finally, there was like three people left, and I just dropped Ulamog out of nowhere <laughs> and just won. nobody had any answers for that i'm just looking around the table and i'm like i'm looking at my hand i'm like well what am i gonna do with route evacuation reins of power you know what i mean like yeah and an ulamog on the board i think i'm okay here guys so yeah it ended up going all the way it was pretty good but yeah it was that guy did nothing all game i uh in our game i really enjoyed when uh justin played magister magister sphinx (laughs) i mean Cut everybody's like crazy life into ten, and I'm like, okay, this game's gonna end soon. <laughs> when you get blinking that guy, it's just yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, woohoo! 
Yeah, this is it. It's it's the way magic is fun, you know. When you're just like doing these big dumb things. Like I remember when I first started to play magic and we were kids, and it was like, yeah, let's. Uh, okay, so no attacks before turn four. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I remember okay. that shit. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and you'd basically just see how big of an army you could build up, and it was like cold. It was like a lesson in the Cold War, right? Because everyone yeah. would just try to build larger and larger armies than everyone else, and it's like you wouldn't be trying to like grind in incremental damage you just try to like okay i think i can alpha strike you now oh i'm not sure let's go last night smash 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 still do that last night my friend kirk had like had like he was playing um savra so he had like creek Creekwood liege and a bunch oh, yeah. of guys and like just huge shit right and he's like i'm gonna attack you and like okay for how much and like uh for six I'm like, okay. And then Brad's like, you don't want to attack with all of your giant dudes? And he, Kirk's like, well, nah. I'm like, okay, I go to 34, go. And like, uh, you know, you could have like put him at 19, Kirk, with all your dudes. And then like somebody wrath the turn after. And they're like, bet you wish you'd attacked with your army now. <laughs> hey, arms race, you fucking douche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember those games. I remember those games a lot. No attacks before turn five. Yeah, no, no attacking till I have the opportunity to cast my Sari Angel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fun times. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, speaking of of which, did you uh, do you have Thada Adele in your in your Zedru deck? I don't. Uh, that came up yesterday, and it was quite good for the shenanigans. How's that? Well, you donate one of your islands. <laughs> Right, yeah. you just donate an yeah. island, and then you just go get everybody's soul rings and swords and so, the, mind's the eyes. Issue, and the only issue I have with that is that it's it's totally counterproductive to the, what the deck is trying to do. Like, well, sort played, of. Like, I played Blatant Thievery yesterday. Yeah, and I stole like everyone's lightning greaves because it, they were interfering with my maze activations. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I stole everyone's greaves, um, and I just found that. Everyone's just like, well, aren't you supposed to be giving stuff away with that deck? You know, and it just felt awkward. I don't know. Like, I understand the whole, you know, stealing and you want to do a lot of it. But, I mean, it's almost just like you want to be passing stuff around. Like, You do. I just, the the thing that's really awesome is when you steal somebody's, um, like, artifact, like, like, Mind Stone, right? And then you use it to enable something and then you give it away and draw cards from it. Right, yeah. like Thada Adele just allows you to pull things out of your deck that you can give away once you've used them, and and like having well, no, like because I can't print. attack myself. Well, I have oh. to own the permanent. Yeah, for Zedra, you've got to own it, right? So if you're Thada Adeling out of some person's deck, and then you pass them the artifact, you have to that, own it. it, it like, yeah, you have to control? own it. Mm. Yeah, otherwise, fucking the hunted series of cards would be amazing, or like that join forces card, the white join forces card. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Like deck yourself in one shot. Yeah, that's true. So you can give away anything; you just don't draw the cards or gain the life off of it. Correct. So, so at I mean, that point in time, it's like, why bother? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think it's still good to have like three soul rings instead of one, <laughs> or like every everybody's greaves, right? Yeah. No, and it was fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not cutting blatant thievery anytime soon, but you know, I'm not looking to go to proactively add too much more stealing. Like, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got like swap cards. Like, I've got uh, the morph, the morph swapper, Vidalkin plotter. You know, all these things that come with the deck. 
Yeah. Added uh, Gilded Drake because yep. that card's a pretty lot of good. Fun. Yeah. Also, pretty sweet. Um, there's just so much coming to play stuff. Like, I ended up leaving in uh, Pastor Mike Kikijiki. Right. Yeah. So I I cut Splinter Twin. I cut the X Arc. And because like, bottom line is, you know, people go, "Oh, you play that shit," and I'm like, you know, sometimes people, sometimes you just gotta play Exanguinate and end the game. Yeah, you know, like sometimes exactly. you just need the fireball. Sometimes and I, you just fireball and win. Yeah. Yeah, and so I figured, well, you know what? I worst case is they're in my graveyard. I can pull them both out with a rebel arc and just win. So, like, I'm okay with that. You know. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I dig it. But yeah, I'm really excited. I just finally I I played the game without the swans. I finally got one at the end of the night. So I can't wait to try that out because yeah, knit and swans just that's the sort of shit that just makes my. Yeah, six to twelve, baby. Yeah, that just seems just stupid. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, the next one I'm working on, like I said, is the Mimeoplasm deck. I've got a couple, uh, couple good ideas running around. I got three different builds right now running out of cockatrice, but I got to tell you, one of the most awesome cards in that deck is uh, Jace Memory Adept. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Anyways. You want to buy one off me? I opened one today on my prize packs. Did you? Yeah. I actually put it out on Twitter. I'm like, I would totally, I totally want to buy one. Yeah, I'll buy it off you. For how much? Um, that much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty, Scotty lowballed me in the team chat, so we'll have to. That's that's what I put out there. Can uh, that's what I put out there in Twitterland because yeah, like, yeah. I'll trade it like this. But yeah, that's I'm gonna... better. But I'm gonna pay that. Yeah, that's fair. That's what a yeah. store would do too. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. All right. So maybe I'll help you out. Maybe I'll ship it with all your daughter's things that my my wife just keeps amassing at our house. That'd be sick. So not only is she hoarding for us, now she's hoarding hoarding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice. Good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Right on. So, so I mean, you know, it's, it's been kind of news light uh, in magic, kind of in the last week. But it's it's actually interesting because I wanted to talk about something as it pertains to news, if you don't mind. No, I don't. Is so it Casey I, Anthony? It's not Casey Anthony. So, KYT, um, first things first. I find myself naturally gravitating towards reading your site before Channel Fireball and after Star City Games. Woohoo! <laughs> Hold on, I gotta, I gotta go outside and walk a mile, for, run a mile first, yeah. and come back. I just, <laughs> I just, I just wanted to tell you that you know, having, having. Being the one that reads absolutely everything, I'm finally more invested in what you have to say than half Channel Fireball or more. So I tried like like I can I can plus one that I tried to to fucking go on Channel Fireball today, and I was just like bored out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I, I I just wanted to to give you you know the kudos where it's due. I like your rundown articles. I think they're really good. Uh, people, if you're not checking these out, you should be. Um, it's a nice little snapshot into some local and online metagames, which I think is really valuable if you are, you know, staying on the edge of tournament. Um, for Okay, second thing second, uh, it's KYTV. Like, just do it. <laughs> okay? Just do it. Because A, it, a it's, it's smooth, and B, I mean, what's slicker than KY? TV. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? Right, right. Okay. I hope I hope AJ doesn't think I'm ripping it off or anything with his AJ TV. It just uh it's just so, how, how, 
Who cares? Like, Fuck that guy. Well, no, no, hold on. So, so imitation is the most sincerest form of flattery, and I understand that that's not what you're trying to do, but that's what you tell him when he asks you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, and and I want to say, like, I really think that as the internet and technology develops, I feel like that sort of medium sends messages through in ways that are so powerful. Uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I've been saying it for a while, like LSV, when he runs through his gauntlet using, you know, and shows the decks and, and plays, you know, here's the deck that I'm going to play with against the entire metagame and see how it plays out. And you get to see, you know, step by step and all the videos like that shit is absolutely awesome. Like that quality content is unreal. I've learned so much watching AJTV. It's, it's dumb. Like, it's totally stupid. I, I'm really, really excited about where the internet is headed and where content is going. And I think that uh, that the, the age of the traditional article is, is quickly falling by the wayside. I, I got to tell you, um, we as, as a society are getting just more and more impatient. We wanted everything right now, right now, right now. And I feel like really quality videos like you've been putting up and the AJTV and, and I mean, even fucking Kibler. Have put up on uh, today being Thursday, put up a, uh, a series of basically his time through the daily uh, videos uh, using his new blue black Tesseret list with Torpor Orb. And I was just like, I watched three videos and I'm like, I want to play this deck. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to build this, you know? So, I mean, I now have an architect list built and I have my blue black Tesseret list built and I'm sharing spell skites between them, but that's okay. Um, but, like, that's awesome. I, I just. I wanted to give you props. You've done a really good job. I, I totally agree with you. Like I learned so much. I didn't have time to watch the second video yet, but I learned a lot from from AJ's video. And we haven't seen that type of style done um, in Magic Land at all. It's instructional, so, right? So we haven't seen that type of like you learn more from those type of videos than almost anything. It's like you actually learn how to play. It's not a deck list or um, or just cyborging guide. It's actually information about how to play certain cards and how to plan the game with certain cards. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like you said, like patience and and Flores says, like we think we thought everything was heading towards video, right? Naturally, but podcast became a huge thing because it's so accessible. Like, like you listen to it while working and stuff. So it's it is interesting what. Uh, how what the next step is how how the future of magic media is going to look like you know um, but podcast has been a big boom <laughs> right <laughs> I I don't disagree with you I, I feel like I feel like those sorts of things like something like a like AJTV if it were done in the form of like if the if if a pro or or some of the pros got up and said you know what we're going to run a, like an instruct an instructive how to podcast how to play better here's here's what you should be doing here's here's situations scenarios like i understand it's easier with video but even if they were to do that on a podcast it'd be fucking amazing yeah <laughs> like how to is where it's at like that that's what we're all clamoring for we all aspire to be as good as these pros are and everyone keeps saying well, well how do i get better how do i get better you practice well okay but I don't go to school and practice fucking one plus one. There's a teacher to facilitate the education. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah. if if the teacher's at the head of the class to guide it, it's going to be far more effective. And I think that that's that's a huge niche that that could be could that should be explored. 
Not to mention that the Koreans unlocked that with StarCraft. Why can't we unlock it with magic? Magic. Yeah. I'd go to magic school. <laughs> well, you know what? It was funny because um, it was uh, Chapin and... Jerry? And I, was it Jerry? Well, did we talked to Jerry about it on our show. That's right. Like, how awesome would that be? Like, if they were to fucking run it again, I would so go. Yeah. Yeah, they they basically had uh they for those of you that are late late joining listeners, um they ran they they held up an eBay auction and they basically said okay we'll come down for you know like a three or four day weekend or whatever and we'll spend an intense magic camp with you, and so it was like two guys that that basically bid out one, and uh, and these two guys went and spent you know three four days with Jerry and. Patrick to learn how to play better magic and they fucking played magic for four days straight. Yeah. I, I'd be totally into that stuff. Fuck, that would just be bonkers, man. I'd pay for that. I don't have yeah. a job, but I'd try to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, like you said, Scott, it's not about like just playing more. No. There there's definitely like you gotta learn some stuff and I guess, like, just now, the fact that there's always new cards, new decks, that's the, the main focus. I have yet to even, like, have time to sit down and finish uh, Patrick's book, Next Level Magic, and you know, stuff like that, that focuses more on, like, the general way of playing. But I'd be totally down for, for more of this type of material. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And unfortunately, you're not going to find it here on the A-Team. But uh, <laughs> functionally, how to be functionally but we can, functionally but we terrible? But we can certainly bitch about it. <laughs> how to be functionally terrible by Scott McCallum. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd buy fun- that book. A functionally terrible uh, magic player, but I got to tell you, I'm quite effective. <laughs> I'm a quite, I'm quite an effective political <laughs> ranger at the table. I'll tell you. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet yeah. you are, though. No question. <laughs> Those skills can't be taught. <laughs> no, they can't. You're very right. So yeah, what else? What else is new and exciting? I mean, we were talking. You were gonna bring up my architect deck. Yeah, I, I was actually. So um, you put up the most recent list in your rundown, right? And uh, still with very sketchy cards to, uh, to yeah, try out. Like I'm not sure where I'm at in terms of the uh, the green splash yet. Um, right. but uh, I'm I have it. I have it ready and slotted to try. I mean, you guys suggested it, so that's what, like, right? Like, you yeah. and you people were like, you have, you know, it makes total sense to play the, the one forest and a bunch of misties, and um, I went ahead and did that. Not really impressed uh, by the Silvog replica since I played it. Like, you need more, like, initially I only played one forest and four misties, yeah. and you definitely need more forest to actually get replica like i'd usually get it but i wouldn't have the forest to activate it so it was like maybe i just want viridian corruptor or something because it actually activates when it gets to play then i'm like then i'm screwed if they have torpor orb yeah and out so and and with and that i was gonna make the comment about torpor orb actually and what i'm finding is i mean watching kibler play the deck i mean it's close it's it's really close right now. Now it probably rolls to red deck, but I mean there's a sideboard for that and that's fine. Um but it's Torporb's actually really powerful right now. Everyone likes to fucking talk about the do nothing card. But it's it it actually does quite a bit right now. Yeah. I mean 
probably it, it stops comes in, does it stop the stops all come into play oh right 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 so it just totally kills like jesse's deck yeah and that <laughs> and that's what that's what got me there i'm like like this card fucks him his only out like i mean he's got he's got two nature's claims sideboard right right but like the only out normally main deck is like acidic slime and what are you gonna do with that <laughs> nothing nice to right. do <laughs> So that's why where I always thought about replica and replica can also like hit enchantments. So it's a very versatile card, but again, with playing with it and how awkward it is with the mana, I've never been impressed with it just because of that. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to work in. I'm glad to see you finally uh found your bearings and put preordain in the main deck instead of ponder. I, I just the brewer in me, I'm like M told just came out. It's really good. Gotta try some cards. I mean, you really need to play, I guess, eight fetch lands minimum yeah. before Ponder becomes better than Preordain. And so I just want to see it for myself and just playing just a few games with it. I'm like, this is freaking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Ponder is just garbage unless your deck is set up that way. But yeah, you pulled up uh, the Polish National second place in Architect deck. Basically, it's essentially the Brad Nelson list with a few tweaks. Yeah, he, he they they went ahead and added the lighthouse chronologist, and I and I think that the the point is is that when you're playing against architect decks, there's a couple different ways to do it, and I think there's going to be three. Like I believe there's going to be three main different architect decks. One is with the proliferate theme, you know, going really heavy, um, poison thrumming birds, you know, triskelion's nice in that deck because it's like an ongoing source of you know damage and counters and whatnot, and mm-hmm. that seems fine. I really like the pod version uh, because it'll it does allow for some ridiculously broken draws, and then the last one, which I think we should expect to see, uh, is going to be the quicksilver quicksilver amulet version. Oh, uh, that's I have yet to explore that one. Yeah, and and truthfully, I don't think the deck's actually been built yet or put out there, but I'm sure people have it in there, you know, on their radar. Like I, <laughs> you know, when I ordered my four uh, birthing pods, I ordered four quicksilver amulets. You know, like it that that's going to be a card. Um, you're looking at things like Factor Fiction Sphinx. You're looking at things like fucking Jenga Taxis. Like, you know that good game. <laughs> good game. I mean, I really like the idea. Frank Lepore, I think, mentioned it on Untapped Cast this week. But like Treasure Mage for Blightsteel Colossus, like that's pretty good, right? And then you're just like running it out with the uh, with hmm. the, the the amulet, like because you can tutor him too, right? So. I don't know. There's a lot of different things out there. I mean, Emrakul, sure. Um, it does I, make me think, though. Yeah, I'm not sure it's remotely as consistent as this podcaster deck, but it's definitely going to be... It's going to peak at a higher power level, right? Well, so, what's your... You're going to... Let's say turn two Chalice. You want to turn three this, right? Maybe in an ideal draw? Well, no, because it's an artifact, right? So, I mean, you can, if you've got Looter, oh, right? Okay. So you're going to go, like, hardcore blue dudes to fuel it, right? So you're going to go Looter, you're going to go Two Drop, you're going to go Architect, cast, you're going to go, you're basically going to then cast the Architect, put out the Amulet with Mana Leak up, or something, you know? You know what I mean? Like, or, okay. you know, and then you could just run out another one. So maybe it's, Maybe it's uh, Looter, Spellskite, Architect, cast the amulet, 
Okay. And then turn four, you're putting in whatever fucking fat dude you want. Huh. Right? Or you can go Treasure Mage turn three, tutor your huge dude, and then, uh, like, if you go looter, if you go looter, blue dude, Treasure Mage, then you play fourth turn Architect, and you're basically playing, casting, or then, then you're putting out the, ch- uh, the, uh, fucking, wow. <laughs> What a long day! I, you know what? I don't have the cards. Like, I'm, I'm, what is amulet? Thank you. So you basically then turn four, play the amulet, and use it right away. Off huh. all your blue dudes, right? That's actually interesting. Like Chris was, uh, Chris Lansdale was going crazy. It's like, oh man, quicksilver amulet with Jin Gitaxis, man. And I'm like, hmm. And I think on the show when I read it, and you got one of you probably told me it was a reprint or something, and I'm like, it is, yeah. This is this is very. It seems powerful, but obviously you need cards in hand uh, for it to be good. But still, like, but if you're playing really big artifact guys, Treasure Mage gets there too. Yeah. So. Yeah, Treasure Mage has been an MVP for me. So. Yeah. So I just I just wonder how good this card is compared to like Elvish Piper. Better well, just because it doesn't die to like shock and shit. yeah, like I know yeah. I know that I'm just saying, and it's like, it's and better it in the architect sessions, shell. It's like, better in the architect shell, right? Because you can yeah. fuel it with your guys. Um. Anyways, the one so the two cards I wanted to make mention of in your sideboard, um, of your podcaster version here, KYT that you listed. So first of all, Platinum Angel, like please just don't. Yeah, it. that seems like a waste slot, guys. Just don't. <laughs> play, like like play Pentavis, please. Just just try it. I'm gonna try Pentavis. Just try it. With all the of the mana that you can generate, it's insane. Really good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the rat, the nod to that is your ratchet bombs on the sideboard, which I think is fine. Um, have you played many games with this version yet? I haven't played many games with it. I haven't even played like a post sideboard game. This is just like largely uh, put together from my. Uh... It's largely speculative. Uh, yeah, it's largely put together from my five two. A performance with Brad Nelson's like list that I tweaked a bit for uh, CMT Montreal, which you know this guy took to second place in in Polish nationals. Um, so I just put the cyborg there. Like a lot of it is very experimental. Okay, I love the perilous mirrors. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Um, mental misstep is why was why I'm bringing it up. So. Really excited to see the potential for this card actually being played in standard. Um, what matchups do you see that coming in against? Predominantly red. I think per, I think red. Like, pretty scared of that uh, deck. Uh, like some of the draws they have are very tough to beat. Um, so red, though the version before that, like the, the, the proliferate version, I felt like I had a decent matchup against mono red. I don't, I'm not so sure about podcaster, but, uh, so that's why I just put them there. Um, like if I was playing tomorrow, I just put them there just, just because <laughs> I expect a lot of red. So I'm just wondering, like if that's the matchup, would flash freeze just be better? Or like, are you potentially bringing them in against, you know, a discard suite as well? I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, because... that. Yeah, against because a lot of people seem to think in in comments I've read on MTG Salvation, which is pretty cool. Sometimes when they like cite 
your my article for for like a deck idea and they're like you know discard totally shreds uh this type of archetype and you know mental misstep is like really strong against that i mean i i played flash freezes like the initial brad nelson sideboard was there and i felt they were against valakit they were great but it also made me misplay because instead of just going all out which i should have been i, I was sometimes like not playing my whole hand and just having flash freeze backup like in the end, like I don't care because I have Mind Slaver. Like play your Prime right. Titan, <laughs> play your, play anything. I don't give a crap. I'm just gonna slave you and kill you. Like so. So mental um, misstep you feel is better because it's stopping all of the the rough cards and you don't have to lose your tempo in doing so. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I've basically just convinced myself on this show. <laughs> okay. All right, that's fine. That's good. I love the Batter Skulls too. By the way, I think that's awesome. Because you can cast them really early still in this deck and cheat, functionally cheat them out. And I like that. So, anyways, I'm pretty pleased with the list overall. I'd really, uh... well, I'm gonna have to play against after this cast against Phil Sams, who says his uh, he play tested as again a local player who basically neck deck my list and crushed him with Power Master Ascension. So, uh, it seems like a rough matchup because we don't interact them at them with them at all. Yeah. But uh, it remains to be seen. Like, I've had success against Splinter Twin for whatever reason. Well, outside of four Spellskites main deck that really uh, buys me a lot of time. Um, but I can see Pyromancer being a problem. Um, Unless I just slave them. <laughs> that's always yeah, my that's, solution to any deck. <laughs> it's probably not too bad, right? Once they get up there. I mean, the only other thing is is there's, there's Trinket Mage possibilities, I guess. Like... Kibler, Kibler, for example, in his recent one is he's got two, two trinket mage in the sideboard, and he's running a package just of hex parasite and um, elixir of immortality. But I kind of sit back and I think about it, and I'm like, well, you know, depending uh, on the metagame, it could be anything, right? So in this case, it could be Nile spell bombs, you know, that you'd be able to run out with trink with with trinket mage if pyromancer's the real deal. Because I mean, like as it stands right now with your main deck, like Valakit, you pretty much roll, right? Right, and most of the generic aggro, like unless it's another pot deck, you're generally faster. Right, and and of course against other pot decks, like I was testing it just Jesse, uh, Spell Skype was a was a problem for him. Um, when we were testing, I was, I think the limited time we did play, I, I beat him, maybe the three games that we played. So I think hmm, Trinket Mages is interesting. I, I never bought into the idea of Elixir of Immortality. I know Five Life. It's a big deal. Shuffling spells into the deck is, is good as well, but I, I never thought it was you know, that amazing. I could see Hex Parasite, though. Keeping them off Power Monster counters, that, that's a very interesting concept. Yeah. Right? Now, I mean, they're going to bold, right? I mean, like, but you got Spell Skyed, ideally. So, um, you just got to watch your life total. Is there anything reasonable with that's a medium size with lifelink that happens to be blue or an artifact? Not that I can think of. I mean, I guess the only other way to do it is part of your Trinket Mage package is Basilisk Collar, right? Right. I was even thinking of going, like, what Jerry did with Callblade. Just, like, sending in, putting, like, four Spark Mages in the sideboard with Trinket Mages. But that's a little too cute. Um, but, like, <laughs> the Spell Bomb idea, that's something I have to think about. Yeah. Anyways, it was just a thought, but... um I mean, there's ways to handle it. I, I didn't even realize. But hold on. So before I go any further, let me just put the epic troll in. How does Phil win with Pyromancer's Ascension? Like, doesn't he only play ramp spells into mountains? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently okay. he's into Pyromancer now. Yeah, okay. Okay. So he realized that his Valakit list was losing? I don't know about that. Oh, okay. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play Valakit at Nationals and uh, take it down. Yeah. And be he's... like, can I be on your show, guys, now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But have you played against Temp- Tempered Steel? I think that deck is pretty... I don't know how it looks post-M12, but wow. It's pretty damn solid in, in, in a meta game of, like, if there's nobody playing Day of Judgments. It's it's crazy fast. Steel Overseer, like, holy crap. But, and that, uh, okay, but you know, you've got trick, uh, Ratchet Bomb potentially to handle that if you need to. Right, right. Um, and, I mean, I've been playing quite a bit with Kibler's blue-black Tezzeret list on the last couple days. Or okay. like today. Um, and it's really all about Ratchet Bomb. Just kind of solves that problem pretty quickly. And I mean, I just... It it seems like it's really fast, but... I mean, Inquisition really hurts that deck. Yeah, large, yeah, okay, you yeah. just take... Right. You know, as so long as you can deal with Tempered Steel, you can pretty much weather the clock. You drop a six guy... A six drop with lifelink, and... You know, for the most part, Spell Sky to protect it, you just get there. Yeah, like, there's only a few spells that I'm really scared of. Like, Overseer and Tempered Steel. Or yeah. like the two craziest cards in their deck, and if I can get rid of those, you know, like they're just a bunch of O ones. Like the only reason uh, this matchup would be like super favorable if they didn't have Steel Overseer, because I would just Contagion Engine them and they'd die. But mm-hmm. usually they have Overseer before I can set up the engine, so that's why I haven't been playing that. But uh, enough about Podcaster. Jay, <laughs> have you been playing Type Two? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess I, not. Really? I, yeah, I've been playing it. I just play Valka. <laughs> Need this? Uh, <laughs> no, no. Are you playing? Are you playing mono red now? Like, is that what I'm hearing? <clears throat> I, I'm gonna try it. I think. I think I'm gonna just. Um, I'm tired of thinking, right? So, I'll just do what everybody else does. <clears throat> that sucks, and switch into mono red and just play mountains and burn. But it's not as intuitive as I thought. So, like. I'm trying to figure out a deck list. I've you know I've got one going right now, but I feel like I'm missing some cards and like I don't know, I don't know. I might just keep playing Valakut. <laughs> I mean, I think that like right now it's so open. Like there's so many cards that I'm just not going to even consider when I'm playing. I'm I know I'm just gonna get blown out by like some guy's turn two shapeshifter or some shit, you know. Mm. Um. So. I'm not really sure. Like, I think, I think that like there's so much jank going around right now that I'm also kind of like tired of reading about it because there's so much, like there's so many bad mono blue decks going around and like there's so many bad mono black decks going around and like all of Smitty's lists and <laughs> like it's just it's just getting out of hand. I just want to play the best deck. So, so yeah, I'm interested to play like mono red. I've been. Basically, the entire podcast, I've been goldfishing mono red just to see how like the hands turn out, and um, I've never had a bad hand like this. These this deck's just being really good to me right now, so that's exciting. I mean, whether or not it'll do that tomorrow is a different story. So, what's your mono red plan in your sweet podcaster deck? Just a lot of batter skull, worm call engine, uh, yeah, <laughs> and just trying to get there with spell yeah. kites too like yeah 
I mean, like, Goblin Guide turn one is always going to be rough, regardless of what deck I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you answer it, listen, you answer it post-board of the Perilous Mirror, you're probably fine, right? Like, you're just, you're just going to trade aggressively, because inevitably you're, you're going to have more gas than they are. And your top end is better. Yeah, your top end is better. So if you have better gas, then you can easily... Like, the only thing you really have to worry about is, like, active aggression. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty funny on a precursor golem. Yeah. The other thing is like the other thing is that you have to worry about is like manic vandals and crush and tumble magnet and shatter. Yeah, which like <laughs> how many of those are you really playing? Yeah, I mean like I guess it like it depends on your meta, right? If if I'm going to be playing against a bunch of people that are playing a mono blue artifact deck, I'm going to play a lot more. Cuz well, there's like cuz there's also dismember, right? People are running dismember. Yeah. I am. Like my my dismembers are main deck. Yeah. So I mean, like, like I just, I just can't. Like, I was talking to Nina earlier today, and I'm really excited about Berserker. So, for those of you that didn't play M12, uh, Stormblood Berserker is a two mana one one that has Bloodthirst two, so it's a two mana three three, but it has to be blocked by two or more creatures. And I tell you, going turn one Goblin Guide, turn two Berserker, uh, is I just like. I think that if somebody did that to me, I would just be so angry. Berserker! Yeah, I would be so mad. I would just... I would be a berserker. And so, because of that, like, I think it's really interesting. I've been testing it a lot right now um, against some other decks and stuff just dirtling around. But it's like... Like, I just... I can't think of a better turn one, turn two than that. You know? And, like, Shrine just sitting there slowly ticking away and staring at you. Just becomes bong. And like out of nowhere, like you can win with a shrine, even with low counters, right? Like if I'm holding an incinerate and a bolt in my hand and shrine has like five counters on it or three counters on it, and I just go like bolt you, incinerate you, shrine you for five, like that's eleven damage. And I can count, you know, I can I can't count uh how many times I've been at nine life or ten life by like turn four or five. From Red Deck Wins, right? Like, Shrine is just really good. Agreed. You know. So, so yeah. So, like, that's what I'm going to try to play. I really like Valakut. Uh, our meta hasn't changed a whole lot. There's lots of Valakut. There's lots of janky, bad decks. Um, there's lots of mono green poison, which is really annoying. Really? Oh, my God. Like, and now with Titanic growth... Um, yeah, like, it's just really annoying when they go, like, turn one Glistener Elf, and then turn two Groundswell, you've taken five poison damage. Yeah, that's rough. And then, like, what do you do? Like, you just pray that they don't have the second growth in their hand for turn three. Like, because they go turn one Glistener Elf, you go turn one Land Go, they go turn two, hit you for five fucking poison damage, you go turn two... Land probably go, <laughs> and then you lose. Yeah, so that's fun to deal with. Um, tempered steel we don't see a, a whole lot of, but um, I don't have a problem with that in Valica. You just fucking use uh, what's that creeping corrosion? Man, that's been a good card against against them. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's so good, man. Like turn three creeping corrosion, blow you out. Like now I don't have to actually interact with you at all. <laughs> like I just, I just sit here and you're like I don't even care what you do. I'm just waiting to hear go. 
yeah yeah so it's good i don't know i'm not like i'm not super super insightful when it comes to times like this right where there's like a new set plus bannings plus there hasn't been any scgs around so it's like i don't really i'm not a brewer right i just know i don't like bad decks and to go back to like chris lansdell that fucking guy props to him as a person but man oh man is he annoying as a magic player he he's one of those people that wears his i'm not a net decker like a badge of honor and it's just really annoying to talk to him about stuff like that. And I really hate those people. So shout out to those people who are just like straight up, I don't net deck. That's Wait, shout me. out to him for, for saying that? Yeah, like almost like an anti-shout out, like a troll. <laughs> it's just really annoying. Like, I don't know. You, you, like, you, I'm sure you guys know people like that, right? That, that pride in not net decking? Yeah, like they yeah, just, definitely. they swear off it no matter what. Yeah. And we've already talked about the fact that like, there's a difference between net decking and not net decking and a difference between like just coming up with simple ideas that the pros have all the time in the world to do and you don't, right? Like Yeah, I'm totally it just it just comes down to what you're trying to get out of the game and and how yeah. much time you have. I mean, if if you're like a super full-time worker and have kids and have all these responsibilities outside of that and, you know, go ahead and net deck if that's your best chance to win a particular tournament. Like I have no issues with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, whatever. <laughs> most of the net deckers are the ones that do well at tournaments, anyway. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I just—it's just annoying when someone's like, "I don't net deck," and then they bitch about how they lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, there's oh. broken characters in fighting games. You don't, and then you're like, "I don't ever play them," and then you just <laughs> lose all the time. And it's like, well, you—you you can only pick one. Pick one. Like, <laughs> They bitch about losing to a broken character. You know, it's like, oh man, if we play NHL, you can't be the Penguins. You can't, you can't be the New Jersey Devils or the Detroit Red Wings. Like, okay, fine. And like, who are you gonna be? And like, oh, my team's Minnesota. And like, well, it doesn't fucking matter who I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll fucking me and my friend Jeff do that all the time, where he gets to pick any team he wants, and I have to be Croatia. <laughs> And like I just I still beat him. The games are just closer. Like it's just annoying. Like you know, you know, net decks aren't the reason that you lose. You lose because you suck balls. Do you actually feel that it matters? I know for soccer games, if I ever pick like a bad team, the players are like so fucking slow. Yeah, it's actually really noticeable. You're like, oh god, I can't even catch up to the guy. That's a problem. In like most sports (laughs) games, it's like. (laughs) <laughs> everything everything else is negligible but if you can't hit or um or in in or like gain like some kind of semblance of of equality with speed then you just lose right like you can't catch the guy that caught the ball in football you can't like i'm getting 48 breakaways a game because your guys are never able to catch up to me and you know i score all the time just because i have more opportunities than you because you're fat and slow right and like yeah that's always how it is in those games and like we can almost tie that into magic since this is a magic podcast somehow (laughs) somebody else come up with that (laughs) but yeah so i don't know i don't know what standard looks like now i don't know are you going to like what about you scotty are you playing stuff right now are you like you don't play standard a whole lot right well no no i haven't been able to as of late because i've got uh you know, obviously a lot going on here, but yeah. I've been paying attention to everything that's going on and watching the decks as they progress. It kind of got really stagnant for a while, but it seems like people are starting to break out with a few things, obviously with all the, the Nationals results that are being posted, and people are trying to get some sort of 
handle on what the metagame looks like so they can create decks that attack it. But um, I really think that uh, there's some pretty strong uh, blue-white walker proliferate strategies that are out there. I mean, especially with O-Ring now kind of entering the fold again. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those. I've seen uh, some of the lists that are like... It's like two Elspeth, two Gideon, two Venser, two Karn, four Jace, four Wall of Omens, and then it's like Days, O-Rings, and Proliferate spells. Oh and my like, god. Life seems fine, right? Oh, and, and two Leyline of Sanctity's main deck, so that Oof. nobody can ping off the walkers with burn. Yeah. Um, But it's... I, I mean, fuck, it seems okay, right? Like, you're exiling the shit out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, anyway, so that... That sort of stuff I've been I've been seeing around. There's obviously a lot of blue black control, but I mean I can tell you one thing. Whatever I'm playing in the future will uh, will likely have uh, blue cards in it because I like islands. They should ban <laughs> that card. That card's OP. That card's OP. But yeah, I'm uh, I, I truthfully I think that uh, I'll likely end up with an architect or a Tesseret list. For sure. Like, I mean, I got them both built. I love them right now, and, and I've been trying to make that Tezzeret strategy work for some time. So, I mean, fuck, I may even get into blue-white, but, I mean, those are probably the three different decks that you see me playing. Yeah. So. I guess we can wrap it up. Jay? <laughs> sure, I'll go first, you fucker. <laughs> Shout out to Cody Crossman for some reason. Um, The guy lives on a farm, so he needs all the help he can get. Um, let's see, shout out to, obviously, Jason Ness for coming on the show like an hour ago almost. That was really fun. Uh, I was glad that he was able to get on, and uh, and I think that he'll he's going to make sure that uh, the, both the GP and Cannats are going to be really, really fun. Um, shout outs to Jesse, who wasn't here. <laughs> Fucking douche. Um, also, this is, pro- this is about the first, is this the first episode where we haven't had a full cast? Um, like no appearance whatsoever. That's yeah, awesome. I haven't missed any. Oh no, I missed one. Yeah, you missed one. I missed one at Christmas or whatever. Everyone yeah, right. like, I'm currently the only one that hasn't missed one because you guys love to wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're the glue. You're the glue. Um, shout out. To, oh, here's one. How about this? An anti shout out to Myth Games, who we went to for the midnight pre-release. And it was just like the most ridiculously Auschwitz-driven pre-release I'd ever been to in my life. Um, so there was like 50 people there, and uh, it was 18 packs for first. Which, um, for those of you that like to do like math calculations and EV, uh, it shouldn't have been less than 20 or 22 or 24 even packs at that number. Um, the guy that owns it, it was just like being an asshole and he was just being really like lording everything over everybody and really reminds me of the kind of person that uh, opens a card store because they're a nerd that likes to do that to their circle of friends and they open a store so they can do it to their customers too. So that was really annoying. Um, we were locked in because he was afraid that at a midnight pre-release we would be taking our cards outside and cheating somehow and sneaking extra cards in so that was really fun Uh, even though they didn't watch us build our decks so if we had extra cards or we wanted to do card swapping during the uh, build of our decks we could have done that anyway they weren't watching us do that Um, what else 
they were they they poorly handled a really really easily handleable situation with my friend Sean uh, and movie tickets that that uh, like comic stores get as promos to give out. Um, so that was just really bonkers. And now they're like spreading rumors that like Sean's a thief and all this bullshit. And like what? Yeah, like just it's just so stupid. And like it's just such a fucking shitty store that loser noobs like go to a lot because this guy like just controls their minds and. I really feel bad for them because they feel like I I know a lot of people that play there that like inadvertently have this weird insecurity complex where they feel that they they can't compete at other stores. So they play at this store, which is fine if you don't want to deal with the crowd at another store, but you shouldn't have to deal with this kind of like bullshit from a store owner who's only doing it because he owns the store. Like it was so fucking bullshit. They had a box of World Wake that they were selling there for two hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah, so just fuck that store, and I'm never gonna go back there. When when we chose to do a midnight pre-release, and I found out that it was a myth, I didn't want to go there anyway because you guys will um, remember that I went there for Canadian Nats cues, and uh, I I a little bit more tactfully than this, I complained about that then and there. But really, just the way they treated everybody, the way that they like he was, he, they ordered pizza for everybody, which was really awesome. But then they like stood around and like counted how many pieces you ate and like yelled at people like in front of everybody else and like when there was a smoke break they would like watch you like a hawk to make sure that you weren't like fucking around it was like it's a midnight pre-release like shut the fuck up like my god like and i just can't i don't like people that do that where they like get a card store or a business or a movie store or like anything because they're good at they they feel that they're good at it, but they're really just that asshole that at their kitchen table magic group they just fucking treat everyone like shit, and no one is you know has the balls enough to tell this guy to fuck himself. So fuck you, guy. Um, also shout out for a a guy named Nick. I've played this guy before. He has glasses and blonde hair. Um, I've played him a couple times, but we've never really like talked. So we sit down. I meant to tell this story earlier too. We sit down to play, and it's. Uh, round five of a five round midnight pre-release and it's five in the fucking morning and I'm going to go play a pre-release at nine. So I want to go home and go to sleep. Um, Also, if, if we lose what I'm thinking is one of us is out of prizing and the other one wins say like 10 or 12 packs. If we prize split or draw, then we each get a bunch of packs. Um, For some reason, I feel that Nick didn't know that I was just being honest and wanting to prize split with him so we could both get packs. And he felt like I was, uh, like being shady. Have you guys encountered that before? No, like you've never, like you've never sat down to prize split with someone. And they're like, you're like, do you want to prize split? And they're like, well, what do you mean? And then you explain it to them and they're like, eh, <laughs> no. And you're like, and like, okay. So that happened to me. It happens to me all the time when I like offer prize. People feel like I'm trying to like rip them off or something. Right? right. So I'm like, fine. He doesn't prize split with me. I start playing. I just rape him. Um, and then he reveals after we've played, he said he makes some offhand comment about the show and about like Jay Bush and, and et cetera. And I didn't realize that he like listened to the show. Right. So we were having a good time. Like during the game, it was fun. And he had, he had some like friends watching. I had some friends watching. We were having a really fun time. I was being loud and obnoxious because I was, it was five in the morning. And uh, so just a big shout out for him, like to be a listener of the cast, to play games. He was really nice about it. He won a pack uh, when he lost. I won 12. Um, It was just really fun to play with him. Like it was just a really fun game. 
So I wanted to give a big shout out to that guy for making sure that my last game of the night was really fun. Um, yeah, there you go. That's my five minute shout outs. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Scotty. All right. Um, shout out to uh, shout out to Tom Martell. God, we got a lot of good feedback on that last episode, didn't we? Oh, I forgot yeah. to shout out for Tom. Yeah, shout out to Tom. Yeah. I so, like Tom a lot, actually. It was really fun to have it him. It was good. We, we'll have him back for sure. I can't believe that was already a week ago. I know. Time is Jeez, flying. What have I been doing with my life? Seriously. Well. Um, so, shout out to... Uh, shout out to Brian Kibler for uh, putting out uh, a really sweet list, good article. Shout out to uh, Patrick Chapin for doing good work this week with uh, Brewing and his articles, especially uh, uh, trying to develop a new M12 standard metagame. So that's awesome. I uh, gave shout-outs to all of my EDH crew already, so that's sweet. Um, shout-outs to uh, the folks over at CommanderCast. Much love as always. Uh, shout-out to Brian at Half Price Hobbies. Good work, dude. Keep it up. You guys should be ordering from them. Don't forget to send the email um, to them uh, once you receive it. And uh, I guess the last one is shout out to AJ Soccer for being a front runner as it pertains to magic educational content. Uh, keep it up, do more, and uh, yeah, shout out to Mike Flores because the Mike Flores count isn't high enough. <laughs> Love you, Mike. Anyways, I think that's it. Okay. I'd like to shout out to Sean Petche, of course, and Chris Lanzell, and all the Montreal Man of the D crew that, that came for dinner. Um, Vincent Thibault, Davies Clark, uh, William Blondin, uh, Ivan Wong. Um, it, was, it was a really good time. Um, and shout out to Mike Flores, of course, always. Um, Tom Martell, that was like a crazy good cast. I didn't talk much. I, I usually don't anyways, but that was like... A ple- like doesn't mean I wasn't listening. That was like crazy good podcast to listen to. Um, and shout out to everyone who left a comment on my podcaster deck. And I guess we'll see you next week. Caw-caw! Spouse guys.